FSG is the leading information services provider for emerging markets executives. We partner with business leaders at over 200 multinationals by providing them with research, analytical tools, and data that help power their emerging markets business strategies. My name is Mark McNamee, and I'm the practice leader for Europe here in our London office, and I'll be moderating today's podcast. Today, we'll discuss Western Europe's outlook for quarter two, Q2 here, with our analysts covering Western Europe, Athanasia Kokinoyeni who has recently published the first Western Europe quarterly market review for 2018, which presents our view for the market for Q2 and into Q3 as well. As a reminder, this report and all of our content is available via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. Okay, let's begin here. Athanasia, good to have you here and look forward to chatting about the future of Western Europe. We've seen some nice news uh, <laughs> relatively lately, very different place from where we were, say, a year ago when we were looking at Western European markets. Um, so let's just start with that. Uh, our discussion, uh, I remember a couple of months ago, evolved around sort of this improved expectation for Western European markets. I, I think we discussed this in late Q3 or early Q4 of 2017. Uh, does this still hold true today, where we sit here at the beginning of April in 2018? Yes, Mark, on a positive note, the Western Europe outlook has further improved since Q4 last year. Um, and this is because the economic fundamentals in this region continue to improve with the help also of some external drivers like trade and investment. And also on top of that, political risk have, has further subsided. Mm-hmm. Since yeah, since Q4 even, right? So why is that? Can you elaborate a little bit more uh, on that? Yeah. So the primary driver behind the euro boom, as many call it, uh, is uh, the broad exports momentum that we see uh, across the region. Um, so this started with stronger global growth that drove improvements in global trade. And uh, uh, this is of benefit not only to markets like Germany, Spain, and Central Europe, but also to markets like Italy and Greece, uh, the least competitive ones in the region. Uh, Together with trade, investment has risen, starting from the export and manufacturing sectors investments. Uh, Moreover, a retreat in political risk has boosted investment across the region. Okay, interesting. But it seems like you mentioned, you know, investment, industrial production, exports here and across these countries. Um, would it be right to say then that this so-called euro boom that we've seen in the last six months or so is primarily a, in truth, a B two B sector euro boom then? So that's a very valid question. So the momentum has indeed started from exports and manufacturing, as I mentioned, and drove improvements also in the construction sector. So all all these sectors are B2B. Uh, However, this B2B boom 
has driven also fast decline in unemployment in those markets. And this means that also B2C firms will reap the benefits of that. In other words, the recovery of the Eurozone is actually broad-based and cross-industry. Right. So this is, this is really very healthy and classic macroeconomics. We're seeing strong exports. This is helping drive greater industrial production. This is making businesses more confident. That means they're reinvesting um, and they're having more funds to be reinvesting with. It means they can be increasing wages, uh, you know, conduct more hiring. Uh, and then as a result, this trickles down over time into consumers who then are therefore more confident with greater purchasing power. And then you can drive greater growth. And so it's a sort of a beautiful cycle. So that it, it, this is very encouraging to hear. It seems like we're sort of in the beginnings of this uh, very virtuous cycle, which uh, Europe could use after the last 10 years that they've <laughs> what they've dealt with. So um, that said, obviously this is very positive news and, and much needed positive news for the first time in a while for Western Europe. Um, would you say, what type of growth are we talking about? Should our clients expect, say, double-digit growth in this case? So growth is impressive in Western Europe terms. A developed market uh, that is third in size in the world could never reach actually double-digit growth that we see in Africa, let's say, uh, in some markets there. But 2.1% year-on-year growth is still pretty impressive for the Eurozone. Yeah, uh, double-digit growth, I, I think I was just sort of speaking figuratively, but yeah, it is more about a, a sharp acceleration in growth. But even for that, as you mentioned, that makes sense for such a massive economy. Uh, over 2% growth is, is really quite excellent, and that's actually what we're seeing with the United States as an example. Um, so looking at this growth, then, let's get into the, sort of the execution of it. So what would you advise you know, these corporations to do to capture this you know, significantly improved growth? So multinational companies that are actively involved in the, the Western European markets to further accelerate uh, investing in innovation and, um, um, and uh, uh, doing um, innovative projects in the region and uh, could further introduce uh, products that are differentiated and high in quality um, and also eyeing uh, different customer segments, targeting different customer segments uh, that they did before. And e-commerce will be a very useful tool for them uh, in this market in order to improve margins and also to achieve uh, better market penetration in Western Europe. Right. Uh, th that's interesting. So despite this very strong growth, I think clearly these types of recommendations you're providing are very, very relevant for such a highly saturated and competitive market. So they, clients still need to be uh, extremely nuanced and sophisticated in their tactics and strategies uh, in order to win in these markets naturally. So um, now let's talk about sort of time horizons. What is your forecast, I suppose? You know, what, until when will this boom last? Um, should our clients be planning for even further improvements in performance in the coming quarters? Yeah, so 2018 and 2000, early 2019, uh, improvements in growth should reach uh, a plateau 
um, uh, at that point. And the reason behind this is that actually structural problems continue to persist in the Eurozone. Um, we know the old story, high unemployment, high non-performing loans. This is still an issue. Uh, and non-fully uh, integrated fiscal and financial systems within uh, the Eurozone. All this holds back the further acceleration for the region. Additionally, uh, political risk, yes, has been retreat has retreated, but actually is masked. Um, there are still big risks like uh, populism and trade wars uh, that could hinder the growth momentum. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, and that last point about the risk. So I noticed you didn't mention Brexit there. Um, and instead, the first risk that you mentioned is this new risk that has come out really in the last couple of weeks based on Trump's rhetoric is uh, the trade wars. So can you elaborate on that? What's, what should our clients be expecting? Yeah, so I left intentionally the Brexit discussion for our next podcast. Uh, for now, let's get to the trade war. So the U.S. Uh, President Trump administration has changed the balances of global trade recently. Um, and of course, this will eventually affect one way or another the Eurozone. So to cut the long story short, Trump has threatened with a tariff uh, on steel and aluminum on U.S. exports from the EU. The EU is temporarily exempt from the measure until early May, um, when we believe that the European Commission will manage to get a permanent exemption. However, this shouldn't be taken for granted from our clients. We give it a thir roughly 35% chance that the EU raises this issue to the World Trade Organization or um, at around 15% chance um, that uh, we see a trade war between the US and the EU. So a retaliation from the EU side uh, with tariffs to US products. Um, MNCs that are exporting aluminum, steel um, uh, products or any type of components or that they use aluminum or steel uh, in their production or any of their partners use would be directly affected by this measure in a downside scenario. Uh, now, if the EU retaliates with tariffs, uh, products apart from aluminum and steel composites composites, um, like apparel, textiles, footwear, um, motorcycles, cosmetics, and also agricultural products will be most likely uh, targeted. And uh, MNCs that are potentially affected by U.S. tariffs or EU tariffs should actually work now on contingency plans because those tariffs will disrupt supply chains, but also could affect uh, demand for the products in a trade war scenario. Okay. Um, so let's move on from that then. Understood. There's, there's a lot of detail. Uh, what about the second risk then um, that you mentioned earlier regarding populism? Uh, obviously, this was a major threat in 2016 and then 2017 with all of the elections in Western Europe. Um, can it really affect the strong momentum that you just described? What's your outlook for populism? It's clearly not a dead issue. 
So although populism hasn't affected the real output, it does affect sentiment in this market. And uh, it indeed results in delays uh, on uh, crucial and necessary reforms. So, for instance, let's, uh, let's get the example of Italy. In Italy, we recently had the general elections that were won by the populist five-star movement. This party has softened its populist narrative, but still remains a risk for economic reforms in Italy. Especially if we see a coalition of Five Star and the far-right Liga Nord in the coming months, this would severely hurt sentiment in Italy, but could possibly do so across the Eurozone and could result in deferred business decisions in the region. Uh, and this means that our clients shouldn't dismiss the latent risks. So positive news from there, the re-election of Chancellor Angela Merkel has actually ensured policy continuity and has removed, uh, yet temporarily, uh, the fear of populism in this market. The socialists uh, chose to renew the Grand Coalition and uh, managed to win certain concessions, particularly on extra spending. Um, the uh, sectors that will be favored from this measure are the real estate sector, construction, education, uh, technology, and of course the healthcare sector. And uh, related to timelines, this will be by 2021. Um, and uh, because of that, uh, multinational companies um, in those sectors and their partners in those sectors should identify and capture these upcoming opportunities. Okay. And so you mentioned healthcare in Germany. Uh, is this also our, health, our expectation for the healthcare sector across the entire Eurozone? So not exactly. Uh, excluding Germany, the healthcare sector across the Eurozone will face increased pressures in 2018, but also beyond that. So the story is different there. Uh, we still have debt levels um, across the region and strict deficit targets by the European Commission that are very likely to allow governments to further increase healthcare spending on year-on-year -year terms. This means that our clients should uh, adjust um, in this ongoing demand pressures from the EU governments and further invest uh, in their over-the-counter seg segment, if possible, as a consumer spending um, will, in will um, increase compared to government spending uh, or enhance their offering with value-added services to, um, uh, to uh, have more market share. investment environment, of course. Um, okay, good. Thank you very much, Athanasia. Uh, this was very helpful and insightful, of course. And I think also we should note that uh, we'll be uh, likewise publishing a podcast on Brexit. So our clients can get more information there, uh, as well as uh, through the portal, our Brexit scenarios report, which was recently published. So two big reports on uh, two timely issues here with Brexit and, and improving growth in Western Europe uh, that our clients should be paying attention to and looking to capture. So 
Um, with that said, uh, this concludes our podcast. Thank you very much again. Uh, as a reminder to our clients, you can speak with Athanasia, myself, or any of the FSG analysts by simply reaching out via your client relationship manager directly. You can also access FSG's reports on Western Europe and our monthly market monitoring reports on our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. This concludes the podcast. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance in your emerging and developed markets.